the, the controlled press, the white press, inflames the white public against Negroes. It, the police are able to use it to paint the Negro community as a criminal element. The police are able to use the press to make the white public think that 90% or 99% of the Negroes in the Negro community are criminals. And once the white public is convinced that most of the Negro community is a criminal element, then this automatically paves the way for the police to move into the Negro community exercising Gestapo tactics stopping any black man who is in the, on, on the sidewalk, whether he is guilty or whether he is innocent, whether he is well-dressed or whether he is poorly dressed, whether he is educated or whether he is dumb, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, as long as he is black and a member of the Negro community, the white public thinks that the white policeman is justified in going in there and trampling on that man's civil rights and on that man's human rights. Once the police have convinced the white public that the so-called Negro community is a criminal element, they can go in and question, brutalize, murder, unarmed, innocent Negroes, and the white public is gullible enough to back them up. This makes the Negro community a police state. This makes the Negro neighborhood a police state. It's the, it's the most heavily patrolled. It has more police in it than any other neighborhood, yet it has more crime in it than any other neighborhood. How can you have more cops and more crime? Why? It shows you that the cops must be in cahoots with the criminals. Welcome, everyone. Um... Today is a very uh, hominous day. I don't know if I said that word right. It's a sad day. It's um, but it's also a day of celebration. We're celebrating life. Um, so today marks the 54th anniversary of the assassination of Brother Malcolm X. Um, El Haj Malik El Shabazz, as some people may know him, Detroit Red, Malcolm Little. Today is that day that gunmen took him from us. Um, and he's not the first black leader that's been assassinated, and he definitely won't be the last. Um, because just a few years before him, Megger Eggers were, was assassinated. And a few years after him, Dr. King was assassinated. But today we're talking about uh, Brother Malcolm X. Um, for those that don't know his history, he was born in Michigan. And his name was Malcolm Little. Um, now, a lot of people want to know... Are, try, are, are trying to figure out where he got his um, speaking, the, like the topics that he spoke about, black nationalism and, 
and he wasn't a separatist but what like where did that come from where was that foundation laid and that foundation was laid by his parents uh his parents were garveyanites and if you don't know what a garveyanite is uh there was a gentleman who came to america from jamaica his name was marcus garvey and he was on a mission to meet up with booker t washington and he wanted a school like Tuskegee. He wanted to start a school just like Tuskegee uh, in Jamaica. But when he arrived in America, he Booker T had already passed away. And they he just decided to stay. And he was convinced into leading the black movement. Now, what... Marcus Garvey was Marcus Garvey was a Pan-Africanist he believed that we should A take care of ourselves but B we shouldn't be in a foreign land we should consider going back home Uh, plus he also believed that the African nation should be worldwide. So all black people around the world should form an African nation, a pan-African nation. Um, And the government of this nation should be on the continent of Africa. Because with that, we can control finances. We can control goods we can control a lot of things that people come to Africa to take and profit off of for instance diamonds and diamond rings come from Africa gold Africa Africa is a uh, material rich country like they do a lot of digging in Africa to get that material so they can make a profit off of it Um, but having an African government in Africa and having us as the, having an African government controlling those assets, um, would help the African diaspora across the world. And that was, uh, Marcus Garvey's beliefs and thoughts. And he had millions and millions of people that followed him. Fun fact, there were more people who followed Marcus Garvey than there were black people that followed Martin Luther King, the Nation of Islam, or Malcolm X combined. That's how powerful the Marcus Garvey movement was. So, Malcolm X's parents were Garveyanites. They preached and followed the teachings of Marcus Garvey, which is very powerful. And I will be doing an episode on uh, Marcus Garvey. But uh, something tragic happened to Malcolm Little's family. So his dad was pretty much kidnapped by the KKK 
Yes, there were KKK people up in Michigan. And they beat him. And after they beat him, they put him on the trolley track. And a trolley came down the track and decapitated him. So, with that happening, Malcolm's mom went into a deep depression. She was declared psychotic and was placed in a mental institution. And Malcolm X and his brothers and his siblings were put in foster care and they were spread out. Um, well, Malcolm decided when he became a teenager to go to New York. And he got into the criminal elements. He break into homes. He, I mean, he was just a bad boy. And that's how he ended up getting the name Detroit Red because Detroit meaning he's from Michigan um, and red because of his hair. He would uh, conk his hair, which is a, a term used back in the day, but pretty much um, it was almost like a perm and something like a perm. I'm not too familiar with conking. Um, but it changed his hair color to red. So he became Detroit red. Um, he ended up getting arrested and served jail time, um, for not really for burglaring, like robbing houses. The majority of his jail time was because he was messing with a white woman which they deemed illegal back then he got 10 years and while in prison he was introduced to some brothers from the nation of islam and they were trying to help him get a better understanding of life getting a better relationship with god a better relationship with himself and he took to the teachings he took to uh, everything that these men were telling him you know and when he got out just like his parents were with Marcus Garvey Malcolm X was with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad now another quick fact Elijah Muhammad was also a Garveyanite. He believed in the teachings of Marcus Garvey. And the Nation of Islam, their principles are almost like um, what Marcus Garvey was talking about, but it was like on a totally different level. Um, so Marcus Garvey being a Pan-Africanist, the Nation of Islam and members of the Nation of Islam are black nationalists. So the difference between the two is here, they focus mainly on blacks in America and their thoughts and their beliefs was that black people should not integrate, that we should band together, that we should uplift our own community uplift 
black folks together and that the we should not help a country that has um, belittled us that has killed us over the many years that this country has existed so that was their their um, beliefs and Malcolm X believed it as well so he gets into the nation of Islam he becomes a powerful speaker um, and I'm, I'm rushing through these like rushing through the timeline but I mean a lot of this stuff is common knowledge um, that is taught I know it's not really taught that much at the high school level but at the college level once you get to college that's when they um, really dive into Malcolm X in uh, African American studies classes so he gets in with the nation of Islam Malcolm X becomes a very powerful man and then the FBI gets involved and this is not a conspiracy theory this is not me making things up there is an actual file that J. Edgar Hoover put together on all black leaders in the 50s and the 60s even in the 40s and there was a file on Malcolm X recordings uh, they had FBI agents following Malcolm X because they considered him a threat to national security I don't understand why he was a threat when all he was talking about was us gaining our freedom I mean yeah the way he talked about it because Malcolm X would say things like you know if if we want anything we're going to get it by any means necessary that's one of his biggest speeches by any means necessary that speech is amazing I'd advise you to go read it um, he'd also say stuff like um, Dr. King had the nonviolence movement with the civil rights uh, movement turn the other cheek if, if a man hits you, you turn the other cheek. And Malcolm X and the Nation of Islam, they didn't believe in turning the other cheek. They believed in an eye for an eye. So if you hit me or you threaten to kill me, I'm sending you to the cemetery. Point blank period. I have the right to protect myself. I have the right to defend my family and my home and my community. Which are the principles of the Black Panther Party. They had the right to protect themselves. They had the right to defend their families. They had the right to defend their community against police brutality. And that's what, that's all Malcolm X was saying. Um, so, the rift between the Nation of Islam and Malcolm X was a rift that should not have happened but it's a problem within our community that happens all the time so Malcolm X he gets out of prison he comes in he meets with Elijah Muhammad he becomes a minister in the in the nation 
and now he has a profile Malcolm X is blowing up like if if you want to look at it like a um, like a football team Malcolm X gets drafted but let's not say get drafted Malcolm X gets signed as a free agent to let's say the Atlanta Falcons right to play um, quarterback and you already have a quarterback you have Matt Ryan but Malcolm X comes in he's so good at what he does he he's able to read a defense he can hit a receiver with his eyes closed he's got an arm he can throw the ball 75 80 yards in the air he's athletic he can run like he's like a combination of a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, a Michael Vick, and a Randall Cunningham with a little Deion Sanders all mixed in one, right? So he's and and he's playing quarterback. So you look at like the the mind of Peyton Manning and the vision and the ability to pick a defense apart like a Tom Brady, but he can run and he's super fast like a Michael Vick or Randall Cunningham. He's that prototype um, quarterback. He's like that quarterback that you create on Madden and you give him a 99 overall and he's just better than everybody. Well, that's what Malcolm X was in the nation. You had Elijah Muhammad, but Malcolm X was starting to get that profile and he was like, a created player that was 99 overall and there was jealousy that entered into the nation um because elijah muhammad started the nation um he felt that he needed to keep malcolm in his place which was underneath him but malcolm was 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 blowing up you know so Malcolm got placed on a censure. Uh, he got censored by the nation after um, President Kennedy was assassinated. And he was asked a question. And they, you know, the reporter just asked him about his thoughts on President Kennedy being assassinated. Because at this time, the nation's mourning, the world is mourning. A president, a modern day president, has just been assassinated. And Malcolm X said that it was America's chickens coming home to roost. And after he said that, um, the Nation of Islam censored him and he couldn't speak for like 60 or 90 days, something like that. Um, but all he was speaking was what he believed was the truth. Karma, karma is is she's crazy karma is crazy uh you got to be careful on what you put out in the environment because it's going to come back to you one way or another and what malcolm x was saying was so you bombed all these countries um north korea uh you drop atomic bombs on japan you're killing innocent people in war and you don't think all of that's going to gonna come back on you? 
the treatment of uh, Negroes in America, the treatment of Native Americans in America, um, how you treated people, you didn't think that that wasn't going to come back to you. And he's saying that with President Kennedy's assassination, that was just, you know, karma coming back. Because chickens coming home to roost is a southern thing that, that you hear some people say. And what that means is, yeah, the chicken's going to wander off. But he's gonna he knows where his home is. He's going to come back to that home. And that's where he's going to, you know, come back to. And we're putting this evil out into the universe. We don't expect the universe to push that evil back to us. So after he said that, he got censored. And then his he questioned his faith. He found out that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was not living up to his own standards, his own teachings. The um, Elijah Muhammad was had many children outside of wedlock with many young women. Now, mind you, Malcolm X loved Elijah Muhammad. Like, he, he looked at Elijah Muhammad as a father figure. Because his dad was killed when he was at a very young age, Elijah Muhammad stepped in and filled that void for him. Once he re- once he got this revelation that hey, this guy's not who he who we think he is, that crushed him, and he started talking, he started speaking out about that. That um, Elijah Muhammad was pretty much a hypocrite you're telling you're telling your followers to do one thing be faithful to your wife but yet you're out here having children with other women that are not your wife that that is not your wife and so Malcolm X ended up leaving the nation and starting his own movement and in starting his own movement, he went and, you know, he went to Mecca. Uh, he participated in the pilgrimage, which is um, very big in the Islam religion. Um, and he came back with a different understanding. And what he pretty much started believing was, okay, over in Mecca with the pilgrimage, you had not just black people but you have black white hispanic asian you know like all these different races that were together that drank from the same cup that didn't look at the other person funny because of their skin color they were there for one reason one reason only and that was to get a closer relationship with God through their religion this is black, white, Asian Hispanic, all of these people are in Mecca, walking together, holding hands together praying together, praying to the same God and it I would say it woke Malcolm X up a little bit 
So when he came back, all the negative stuff that he said about Dr. King, about calling him Uncle Tom and a sellout to the black community, um, he went about it with a different approach. Yeah, I'm not going to agree with Dr. King's tactics, nonviolence, making our people weak marching and singing and praying you know that that don't give you freedom but he looked at it like this america already hates malcolm x so if he can push martin luther king's agenda by saying if you don't give dr king what he wants then you're gonna have to deal with me he felt that that would be a new tactic for the civil rights movement you have a good and a, a good and a bad since Malcolm X is already looked at in a negative light and the government doesn't want Malcolm X leading the movement they prefer Martin Luther King because of him being a pastor um, preaching nonviolence um, that's what the government wanted instead of a man who preach that black people should defend themselves if a cop puts his hands on you in a violent way you have the right to kill that guy that's that's the thoughts of malcolm x um so he went down spoke to um the people of selma during the um fight for our voting rights which at this time Martin Luther King was in jail and he pretty much in his speech said what I just said if the federal government if the president does not give Dr. King what he's asking for they're going to have to deal with him now while all this is going on he's dealing with the nation of Islam because they're not taking rejection too well um, they're threatening him. They're threatening his wife, threatening his kids. Um, also, it doesn't help that on one side, you got the nation of Islam coming after you. On the other side, you got the FBI coming after you. So after, you know, giving that speech down in Selma, um, he actually met Dr. King once. And they spoke for a brief little time. And Malcolm X came back to New York on Valentine's Day in 1965. His house was bombed by he, he up until his death, believed that the Nation of Islam bombed his house. So he goes you know, puts his family somewhere. He separates himself from his family because he knows that they're going to kill him. And when he said they, he, he wasn't just talking about the, um, nation of Islam. He was talking about the federal government because so Malcolm X was assassinated on February 21st, 1965. What people don't know is if he would have lived past that day, he was going to make a trip and speak to the United Nations 
because he wanted war crime charges or resolution brought up against the United States of America for its treatment of the 22 million black Americans in America. That was his plan. If he would have lived past February 21st, 1965, he was going to go to the United Nations and request and demand that the United Nations bring about war charges or a type of resolution against the United States of America. But he never that, that never happened because he was assassinated two weeks prior to that. On February 21st, 1965, um, Malcolm X was giving a speech. And while giving that speech, a group of black men assassinated Brother Malcolm. And it, it, it crushed, it crushed some people in the community um, because he was such a powerful leader. He was a powerful speaker. You know, it wasn't so much of being pitted against two people. You either follow King or you follow Malcolm X. It was, these are two powerful, strong black men in the community that kids could look up to and future kids did. Um, a year after the assassination of Malcolm X, the Black Panther Party started. Um, it was formed by uh, Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seal, And they implemented the teachings of Malcolm X. Um, so, on this day, I want to remember Malcolm X because we don't we don't take the time out to recognize his impact in the black community one and two recognize the day that he was taken from us. We, we do that with Dr. King. We know that date is April 4th, 1968. Anybody can tell you that date. What day was Martin Luther King assassinated April 4th, 1968. But you ask our people, what day was Malcolm X assassinated? They can't tell you that day because we don't talk about that day. We don't teach the, the new generation or nobody taught our generation about that day, February 21st, 1965. Nobody talks about that day. Nobody teaches about that day. I bet you can tell me uh, when Martin Luther King's birthday is. Martin Luther King was born January 29th, 1929. See, I can quote that. But can you tell me when Malcolm X was born? Malcolm X was born May 19th, 1927, I believe. He's like three years older than Dr. King. But I know the day he was born exactly one day after my sister was born. Um, May 19th. My mom was born in May. 
Uh, my sister was born in May. My cousin was born in May. You know, so May, I can remember that date. Um, yeah, it was May 19th, 1925. So he's four years older than Dr. King, which means he would be let's see year 2000 would be 75 years so 2020 um Malcolm X would be 95 2020 he would be 95 years old but we don't know that we don't talk about his his birthday is not a holiday like Dr. King because of the attacks by the government and how a lot of the civil rights leaders didn't like him because of the, the speech that he aimed at them um, because of Like I said, the the FBI and their their mission to destroy a man. That's why we don't know anything about um, Malcolm X. It's not taught, or his birthday is not a holiday, or his or the day that he died is um, not recognized like Dr. King. You know, so we need to recognize Malcolm X. We need to, you know, teach more, teach our kids more about the man, about the good that he did in his lifetime on this earth. I mean, yeah, he went to jail. But that don't mean everybody that goes to jail that gets out is still evil. He changed. He went into jail as Detroit Red, the thief, the person that did drugs, the dealer, the gambler, the hustle man. He was Detroit Red, the hustle man. He goes to prison. He comes out. He is Malcolm X. Or he is Elhaz Malik El Shabazz. He transformed. He. He. Evolved. He broke out of that uh, cocoon of Detroit Red and a beautiful butterfly came out named Malcolm X. So that's my episode on Brother Malcolm recognizing today as the day that he was assassinated. Um, we miss him. I know if he was alive today, he, he wouldn't be happy with A, where we're at, and B, with what is going on in this country. And part of me is kind of glad that he's not here to see it because it honestly would break his heart.
but this is my episode today to recognize uh, Brother Malcolm and give you all a little bit of, of history on who the man is and hopefully spark some interest so that you go out and and you research um, Malcolm X and on top of researching him researching other black leaders not just Malcolm X not just Martin Luther King not just Rosa Parks research all of them Diane Nash John Lewis Fannie Lou Hamer Medgar Evers Marcus Garvey Booker T. Washington W.E.B. Du Bois Frederick Douglass Nat Turner Harriet Tubman Sojourner Truth actually study these people and get a better understanding of what their fight was and then grade yourself are you fulfilling their vision for us so that concludes this episode and I will speak to y'all later peace and love and I'm going to end this and I'm going to let brother Malcolm close us out peace Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Man, he wants you to remain a boy. He wants you to remain a lackey. He wants you to remain dependent on him. He wants you to come looking to him for some kind of advice, for some kind of teacher. No, you teach yourself and stand up for yourself and respect yourself and know yourself and defend yourself and be yourself and you'll be recognized as an intelligent person. Whites can help us, but they can't join us. They can... There can be no black-white unity until there is first some black unity. We cannot think of being acceptable to others until we have first proven acceptable to ourselves. Concerning nonviolence, it is criminal to teach a man not to defend himself when he is the constant victim of brutal attacks. There are problems in the community uh, some of those examples of those problems are, are the uh, uh, vices that destroy the moral fiber in our community. Drunkenness, uh, drug addiction, uh, prostitution, organized crime that robs the Negro community of probably 90% of its economic potential and, uh, and moral potential. Once you change your philosophy, you change your thought pattern. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your, your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern. And then you go on into some action. As long as you got a sit-down philosophy, you'll have a sit-down thought pattern. And as long as you think that old sit-down thought, you'll be uh, in some kind of sit-down action. They'll have you sitting in everywhere. It's not so good to refer to what you're going to do as a sit-in. 
Then right there, it castrates you. Right there, it brings you down. What, what goes with it? What, think of the image of a, someone sitting. An old woman can sit. An old man can sit. A chump can sit. A coward can sit. Anything can sit. Well, you and I have been sitting long enough, and it's time today for us to start doing some standing and some fighting to back that up. I'm no politician. I'm not even a student of politics. I'm not a Republican, nor a Democrat, nor an American, and got sense enough to know. I'm one of the 22 million black victims of the Democrats. One of the 22 million black victims of the Republicans and one of the 22 million black victims of Americanism. And when I speak, I don't speak as a Democrat or a Republican, nor an American. I speak as a victim of America's so-called democracy. You and I have never seen democracy. All we've seen is hypocrisy. When we open our eyes today and look around America, we see America not through the eyes of someone who, have, who has enjoyed the fruits of Americanism. We see America through the eyes of someone who has been the victim of Americanism. We don't see any American dream. We've experienced only the American nightmare. We haven't benefited from America's democracy. We've only suffered from America's hypocrisy. And the generation that's coming up now can see it. And I'm not afraid to say it. If, if you go to jail, so what? If you're black, you were born in jail. If you're black, you were born in jail. Because I think you believe in the God who created the universe and that's the one we believe in, the one who created the universe. The only difference being, you call him uh, God, and, and I, we call him Allah. Jews call him Jehovah. If you could understand Hebrew, you'd probably call him Jehovah too. Uh, if you can understand Arabic, you'd probably call him Allah. But since the white man, your friend, took your language away from you during slavery, the only language you know is his language, you know, your friend's language. So you call him, you call for the same God he calls for. When he's putting a rope around your neck, you call for God, he calls for God. And you, and you wonder why the one you call on never answers you. The slave master took time and dressed him well and fed him well and even gave him a little education, a little education. Gave him a long coat and a top hat and made all the other slaves look up to him. Then he used Tom to control them. The same strategy that was used in those days is used today by the same white man. He take a Negro, so-called Negro, and make him prominent. Build him up, publicize him, make him a celebrity. And then he becomes a spokesman for Negroes and a Negro leader.